This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening today. Java, how was Philadelphia, PA, this past weekend? We went there with the MPB business? Yeah, we had a, a public radio uh, conference, and it was a good time. It was a, oh, excuse me, it was a very great time. Philadelphia has three. Um, to show you how big the city is in comparison to Mississippi, we have one here in Jackson that serves the whole state. They have three within the city limits of Philadelphia, three public radio stations. But yeah, it was great. Ate a lot of cheesesteaks. I was thinking, say cheesesteak. They, you know, <laughs> more mm-hmm. more than I should have. But you know, you always find the the good spots outside of the touristy destinations. Had to go deep into the neighborhood to find the best cheesesteak from a place called Angelo's, and you know it was good because they only take cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I've got a, you know, we got we got a, a, a big day today. Got plenty of stuff to talk about. Got a real special friend of mine here. But before we get to that, let me, let me uh, mention that last night I got lost going to a place called Noxapater. Oh. I've been to Noxapater twice. You know, it's between Philadelphia and Louisville up in uh, north central Mississippi. And uh, I found a back road to it. I mean, my GPS took me down a gravel road, <laughs> but I got there. It's a quaint little town. It's one of those little intact, you know, Mayberry-type places. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that, except this, it's a compliment. Cool, you know, flower boxes everywhere, but uh, uh, a friend of mine named Faith Estes set up a, a meeting there uh, for gardens. They got the Pass Along Plant Group. We had over 100 people Whoa. in Noxipater, including a couple that drove over from Tuscaloosa and one uh, couple of ladies who made one of their husbands drive them up from Pearl. <laughs> and it, it was a blast. It was a blast. And uh, r- real folks, and it's one of the best plant swaps I've ever seen. And tomorrow, am I correct, tomorrow you're going to be in uh, Columbus. Columbus. I'm going to back my green truck with all the stuff and I'm going to back it up to the to Hitchin' Lot um, Farmer's Market. Yes, sir. There's a corner of 2nd and 2nd, 2nd Avenue, 2nd Street downtown. I'm going to be there probably about 9 or so, but I'm going to give a little talk from the back of the truck about 10. You know, MPB is sponsoring this uh, and also the, the downtown Columbus folks. But we're going to be whooping it up. If people have stuff you want to talk about, bring show and tell. But Farmer's Market, I'm going to be in my truck. And at 10 o'clock, I'm going to give a little talk from the back. So anybody wants to show up, bring a chair. Let's have a good time. It's a great farmer's market, too. So anyway, before uh, it and uh, we've got a couple of other things coming up in a couple of weeks. So we can talk about this later. But I want to introduce a real special old friend of mine. I love this man to death. Mark Scudup. This is Mark Patrick. I call him. Sir. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> you look nervous. Nah. It's been, uh, you know, you, you, it's, you, you've been around. You've been around. We've known each other, what, 25 years? Yeah. Uh, first time I met you, Java, this guy called up, and I said, this is a little old lady who just got all these flowers and stuff, wants to come out and look at your And uh, he he lived under a bri- near a bridge. You can look under a Pearl River bridge somewhere 
I don't know if it's Hines County or where, but way out there by the Pearl River. And you had the most incredible garden that I've ever seen with no horticulture training. Just you were raised right in the Ozarks. Maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> Not exactly sure. But this is an alligator um, that has, uh, I mean, a, a garden has alli- had alligators in it. It did. Yeah. Wait Actually. A, wait, yeah. ex- explain. Um, on my birthday one year, it was May the 13th. I don't know what year. One of my neighbors had caught a baby alligator and put it in my yard so that <laughs> when I came home from work, got out, he knew where I parked. So I get out. I have to step over rabbit wire which was for keep armadillos out yeah and they had put it right where i step over the wire and there was the baby alligator (laughs) wow see java this is the reason you don't drive down these little country roads late at night because if you break down you're going to go up to to these these houses ain't got skirting or anything and they got alligators in the garden as guard alligators (laughs) i had skirting on my house thank you But anyway, uh, you know, Mark uh, worked for a long time at a, at a major wholesale place. You sort of turned the, the perennial plant production thing around in Mississippi. Yeah, I, I was at Standing Pine Nursery a decade, almost yeah. to the day. Yeah, and producing uh, back when you couldn't buy perennials. Nobody grew perennials. You were doing that. And then you bounced over to uh, to another garden center in Jackson. Now you're at Martinson's Garden Work. Between, I'm gonna say Ridgeland because you're closer to Ridgeland than you are Madison. But yeah, you know, if you're, a Mar- if you're a Martinson, you're gonna say Madison. No, no, <laughs> no. no, it is Ridgeland. Anyway, cool place, cool guy, an uh, outstanding gardener. Welcome. Thank you. All righty, all righty. So, Java, you get the tune I sent. Yeah, I, I just loaded it up from my uh, from my email. Okay, well we're gonna play it in in just a little while, but it's uh it's really uh sort of a rock and roll thing. It's kind of a bluesy rock thing uh, that came out in 1970. But the bad part about it is uh is it was based on a tune called "Let's Stick Together" uh, by Wilbert Harrison, who hit top 40 with it. But the rock and roll, the canned heat version, you know the white version of it <laughs> kicked it off the charts <laughs> you know that happened a lot you it, know it, it is a thing it is a thing but anyway that's going to come up what you got mark i was five years old in 1970 <laughs> i probably don't remember it by the way i am going to be uh at the hitching lot farmer's market saturday morning i'm gonna talk starting around 10 but i'm gonna be there a matter of fact i'm staying overnight tomorrow so make sure my truck makes it java you know when you drive an old truck Oh, I know. You have to sit in travel time, and it's really make sure my truck is okay time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to be backing up to it. I got, I've got i redone my garden uh, in the back of the truck. I lost some stuff over the summer because I was gone, and, I, and it looks nice. And I will say that the reason it looks nice, I've been doing this since my son was in a baby seat, a child restraint seat. I've had a garden that long, 35, 36 years. But the only other person who has ever planted my truck, Mark Patrick. And I thank you, sir. But you know why? Because you get it. I do get it. <laughs> we we both like bold textures. We like color. We like, uh, uh, you know, mixing stuff together so something dies you really can't tell. And uh, we tend to, I'm going to say, 
over-accessorize. <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> hey, we, we got a call in from Memphis. I don't know if it's time to push the button or not. Well, it's coming It's coming in. We have our um, okay. our intern, Will, Will back yeah. there on, on the phones doing a good job. He's dressed um, up today. Must be something important happening. <laughs> hey, well, I'm, I'm going to say Will always is snazzy, man. Yeah. Well, um, now uh, we're good. We can go to Allison okay, in Memphis. Good Allison Memphis. Good morning, Allison. How are you today? Good Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have I have two questions. The first one uh, is about fall blooming iris. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a I have a cluster of them, and they bloomed in April this year. They yeah. bloomed really really early, mm-hmm. and and then they died back, and now there's there's a couple of of stalks that are reblooming. And I just didn't know if that was just a fluke of nature or if there's maybe, I, I, I don't know why they would do that. But um, Well, for, first of all, are, are these supposed to be rebloomers or you just happen to be reblooming? Because there are some that are reblooming irises, not many of them. But did you buy, okay. is that what it's supposed to be? Or are you just saying, what the heck is going on? My irises are blooming again. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I, they were given to me as a fall blooming iris. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Well, I, you know, I don't know anything about them except that they do exist. And Mark, yeah. okay. Uh, here, here's a uh, here's the deal. These irises like um, uh, chrysanthemums. Well, they bloom according to you know a lot of different physiology things and environmental things. Uh, but anytime you have unusual weather. You know, it's really hot, really dry, or a lot of wind or something. It stresses the plant. We're seeing, I've got an amaryllis blooming in my yard, and they only bloom in the spring. And I'm seeing a lot of spring blooming shrubs and vines blooming just because of stress. But, uh, you know, you've got a rebloomer. It should bloom fine in the spring as well as in the fall. This this okay. this little group. Was, uh, Mark, you know anything about these rebloomers? I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. I don't, you know, know yeah. names, whatever. I don't get real hung up on that. But it's all about day length. Day length, that's right. And, you know, and I, I don't care if my iris is bloom. That's what Hobby Lobby is for. You go get you some bloom. I, you know, I use iris in even in my truck garden because I like the foliage. Uh, so, Allison, uh, anyway, uh, if if you can find anything more out, out about it, I'd like to, to learn something. I just know about them. Okay. I, I've heard about them. I don't know about them. The, okay. I have okay. a, I have I, a question. Can, um, is, yeah. the, is the foliage like a lighter green, almost limey? As opposed to a no, no, it okay. kind of just looks like a standard iris. You know, they're those tall a beard. leaves that kind of come to a point on top. Yeah. Well, well, we'll do a little bit more research. I've heard of them uh, a, a lot over the years. Not a lot, but uh, over the years. But I just don't anything about them. Okay. Okay. I mean, the flower is huge. Yeah. It looks like an old-fashioned purple bearded iris, like that your grandmother would grow yeah. or something. Well, the, the Iris Society in Memphis has got a b- huge iris display garden at the Botanic Garden. Matter of fact, there's nothing but oh. iris. If you don't like iris, don't even go there. But, uh, you know, I, I bet that they've got some ring bloomers out there, and that'd be a good place where I, I'd try to learn something from them. Okay, that's a good idea. All righty. Well, okay, Allison, thank uh, you for the call. Yes, sir. well, I had a second question if okay. we have time. Sure. It's about it's about loofah. Yep. And I think it's been on the program uh, the last two or three times, or you know, the last few few weeks. Right. Um, I have a, a quite a stand of loofah plants. Yeah, I bet. in my backyard. It's probably all the way up in the uh, trees. 
Well, we we built a trellis, um, and we you know the vines are somewhat Vigorous. controlled. I would say. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but one of the questions I had is I did not. I have quite a bit of fruit that's developing. I'll say a dozen or so, but I've got maybe less fruit than I thought I would, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of female flower development. I see a lot of male flowers, but very few female, like that actually bloom. They, yeah. they kind of they develop like little tiny, and right. then they kind of dry up and fall right. off. Why would that happen? Mark, you, you hear that question all, why am I squash my cucumbers, whatever? It, it could be a lot of things. Yeah, um, it, it could be stress. I've grown okay. Lufa. And yeah. when I have grown them in, like, one plant, mm. they never really seem to produce prolifically like yeah. a cucumber. So if you've got a couple of large fruit, pick it, dry it, save the seed. Next year, maybe plant three or four instead of one. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. uh, but, but like yeah. Mark says, there's a lot of different uh, stress factors that cause the curcubit family, the squash, the gourds, the loofahs, mm-hmm. the, all those kind of things. They'll have sometimes more male or more female flowers. And also the pollinators, you know, that's an issue. So, you know, okay. th- like Mark says, plant more. Plant more. Just plant more. Okay, yeah. I will do that. Thank you. Okay, Alice, appreciate it. Okay, let's slide down to Mandeville, Louisiana. Boy, we're going from top to bottom here. Mandeville, Peg, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Felder. How about you? So far, so good. Me and Mark are sitting here whooping it up. I've got coffee, and he's scared of it. I'm, I'm not scared <laughs> of it. I just already had mine for the day. Yeah, what Thank you. you. What's, what's going on, Peg? Well, this year I have these white blotches on my Ruel. I've never had it before, and it's, it's on the flowers and the leaves. It's not like the mealy bug or anything, but it's white splotches. First, I want to know what it is, Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I can um, prevent it. You know, she she, she says she got spots on her Mexican petunia, Mark. Okay. And by the way, you gave me a Mexican petunia a couple of years ago. You said it was dwarf. It ain't dwarf. Dwarf just means it's smaller than the original variety. Okay, well, mine's not. Uh, I, Sorry. You know, yeah, you know Mexican petunia aruelia. It's a uh, you know it's a it's a really durable. A lot of you either like it or you don't. I, I I love it, but I keep mine where it can't get away from. I'm not, not really surprised that there's any kind of leaf spots with the kind of weather we're having. I would say just walk by and don't look so close. Take your glasses off yeah, and the problem goes yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. it's probably a little fungal infection because of our humidity and all. But you know these plants they grow in cemeteries, and if you've got pretty good dirt or you've watered it or something like that, you know, we're going to have a few leaf spots. But you know, and it's so late in the well, year. Yeah, it's got a lot, and you know, on on each I have a lot of stands, different places, and yeah. some of them don't have it. But I've never had it before, so my guess is I'm going to cut it back, throw that away. Well, next year yeah, you know, you know, in just a, a few weeks it's going to die down anyway. Well, not in Mandeville, not in Mandeville. Not in yeah. Mandeville. So yeah, I would just just the bad, the bad looks of stuff. Go ahead and cut it back now. You may have time for it to sprout back out and bloom again, but just cut it way back. Yeah. But uh, there's no okay. cure for diseases, fungal diseases. Fungicides are protective films, sort of like putting sunscreen on. You don't wait till you burn before you put the sunscreen on. So, uh, you know, if you've got uh, leaf spots, whether it's on Ruelia or roses or whatever, you have to apply it to keep it from coming on uninfected stuff. So it's too late to do that. And just cut them back. Yeah. I think it's it's only on that Ruelia, so I'm wondering. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd cut it back and keep an eye on it. If it comes back with it, uh, in, in the food industry, when they're out of something, they have a f- 
term that's called 86 it. <laughs> it means, yeah. throw, you know, get rid of it. But I don't know that I would throw it in a compost. You can have a compost pile no. of just Ruelia. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just I'll just pitch it, but I didn't know if it would if it was a mite or a, a fungus or whatever. You know, so, without seeing a picture, without seeing it, you know, I got to make the patient say ah before we know what it is. So anyway, just cut it back and let's see if it comes back okay. All right, I'm not the only one in the neighborhood. I've seen it on other people's plants too. Well, then, since you know, if you could get a good, clear, close-up picture of it, a good, clear one. And send it to mm-hmm. me, uh, you know, go to failerushing.blog and send it to me. Then, you know, I can tell if it's spider mite or leaf spot or whatever. Okay. I'll do that. Okay, Peg. Thank stay, y'all. stay cool. All right. I'll try. Bye-bye. Java, we got a guest lined up. And he is ready. Okay. That's it. Yep. We're going to be talking to, we got some, there's a lot of stuff going on in people's lawns right now. And I got the top dog, Mark. By the way, she was from Mandeville. I noticed yeah. on the Facebook thing. Mississippi Gardening and, and your own Facebook thing, you posted a thing about uh, May Vitikovic. She's a, a little, oh, yes, she, yes. She, yeah, she, she, she has an incredible tropical plant garden in Lafayette, Louisiana. She posts on Mississippi Garden. I've been to her garden, and her garden and your garden are so tropical and lush with big flowers and big foliage. It's just incredible. You know what I'm doing? No. If you use the right sunscreen, it smells like cologne. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> Horticulture's fell rushing. We've got a real special guy, Dr. James McCurdy, who's the extension turf specialist at Mississippi State University. Uh, uh, Jay, you with me? Yeah, thanks, Felder. Glad hey, to be here. I'm glad to have you because you know I'm. You know, it's been probably 40 years since I studied turf management at Mississippi State, and you're the guy now. And I got questions. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. For, first of all, when, how long have you been doing the, the the turf thing professionally? I will have been the state turf grass extension specialist for 10 years this coming January. Wow, long time. You've seen some stuff come and go. And you originally from Mississippi. No, I'm up, I'm from up around Jackson, Tennessee. I grew up on a sod farm up there. Okay. And so I, I kind of came up through the industry and uh, intuitively know grass, which sometimes gets me in trouble. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and matter of fact, that's the reason I want to talk to you because you have a foot in two different sides of this field of grass. One is turf management, producing it, getting the most, the quickest, the sturdiest, the healthiest, and getting it out the door in somebody's yard and doing it all over again. So you know about Get grass started, right? <laughs> but you, uh, a little bit about that, yeah. But, but we you, also like like you dabble in some uh, low maintenance, uh, quote unquote, you know, sustainable alternatives. Yeah, what what uh, what we used to call mow what grows. That's right. Because when I was a kid, you know, I thought clover and dandelions and stickers. I just thought that was part of having a lawn, and I couldn't go swim until I got through mowing it and as soon as you mow that kind of stuff it comes right back but then i studied turf management at mississippi state and i learned some stuff that gave me cognitive dissonance you know if i say you need to water once a week my dad would laugh me to the curb but if you don't there's a lot of yeah but yeah, if there's you, a lot of un, unwatered lawns aren't there filter they look pretty good well that's the reason i want to call you because right now uh in in jackson i just uh, got back from up in uh, winston county uh i've driven around the state and i've seen some lawns suffer over the years but it looks like some of them have lost all their carbohydrate reserve look like they are dead i've never seen this before what are you seeing around the state doc 
Yeah, especially in the northern part of the state, we experienced a, a really hard winter, and then you combine that with a, a sort of slow green up and a, a slow start to the summer. And, and a late, a late frost. Late, yeah, just when yeah, it was green up, we got a late frost. And then we had a, a prolonged drought. I know some of you some of you down there around uh, Rankin and Hines County didn't see rain for maybe uh, 35 or 45 days. 90. So we've got a lot of – yeah, yeah, we got a lot of lawns that are, are really, uh, really – hard up and are not going to look great unless we get a mild winter and a really good growing season next spring. Maybe we'll get some timely rainfalls this fall and, and that can uh, you know, steadily improve some of the conditions, but I, I'm not too optimistic like you on, on certain lawns. Well, my next door neighbor, she, she hadn't done anything. I mean, her grass is brown. I, I was looking at her, pulling the stolons up and stuff, and I mean, they're, 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 they're dead. They are dead. Some people say, well, it always happens. They'll green back up, but I'm not sure about this year. We're having an Oklahoma summer here, Doc. Yeah, I think in some situations we, we really should be, right now, probably doing a little bit of repair irrigation. And what I mean by that is, is trying to, to get some of that stuff to come back, whatever will come back before we fall off into the, the fall and winter uh, temperature conditions. And then there's going to be a lot of folks that are considering reestablishment. I think we're a little bit late for reestablishment for warm season grasses unless we're so, uh, well sodding, or, or maybe we could do a little bit of late season feeding with certain species but it's really late. truly we need to be making mm-hmm, need to make a game plan for what we're going to do next year if we have uh you know any inkling that we've had a hard winter this this coming season we yeah. need to be thinking about reestablishment. well here's a couple of things of course you being a, a, a turf guy you're going to think reestablish turf uh, first of all yeah, how, can, alternatives. how can people tell if the grass can, can you predict whether it's going to do okay or not just looking at it right now in certain conditions, you can make some very pragmatic decisions about what we should do, and I don't think you can ever outguess Mother Nature. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I would dare say, uh, you know, you, you have to have a conversation with yourself or with your specialist or your county agent. Do or, I or do I want do I really want to yeah. water all this stuff? Because, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that that, that I'm, I'm most concerned about is we have a lot of thin grass, a lot of thin lawns out there, and there's a whole bunch of people who are going to have more weeds than they normally do. You know, and you, your counterparts over in weed science, and you work real close together. Um, is there anything people need to do now? Uh, you know, to, because pre-emerge is not going to work yet. I mean, it's just no. There's, there's no rain here. Anything people need to do to their lawns now? It's too late to fertilize, right? Well, I, I would I would not say it's too late to fertilize if we are smart about it. And if what the, I mean by that is it, there are instances where we can use some uh, slower release, low nitrogen containing products to try to, to uh, you know, to, to build a little bit of nitrogen reserves for those grasses when they do start to get some timely rainfalls, you know, I hope in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's not, too, it's also not, I don't think it's too early for a pre-emerge and, and I oftentimes have a conversation with a homeowner and say, look, if you've got centipede or St. Augustine grass, you can put out a, a product like a, a granular atrazine containing uh, product, like Scott's Bonus S is one that's uh-huh. commercially available. And you can get a slow-release nitrogen source, in fact, a really good nitrogen source, and the preventative and some uh, some post-emergence reachback of control of some of the weeds that are already there. But 
you know, it's it's about what you want. If if you're trying to um, if you're trying to overseed this fall, or if you've got Bermuda or zoysia grass, I don't often recommend that Scott's bonus test. Probably. Yeah. So basic, but but if you're if you're not avid lawn care person, if you're not really avid, you're just a mow it grows kind kind of person. Basically, if you can water it at all, give it a soaking, and then oh yeah, wait till spring and see what happens, right? I think, you know, you, philosophically, you've got to make a decision whether or not you want a lawn. And uh, for some folks, that's not a hard decision. For others, it, it, it is a, a debate. But if you want to have lawn grasses and it is suffering through uh, a prolonged drought like we've got right now, some irrigation, perhaps an inch of water, supplemental water per week, would go a long way to uh, keeping that little, uh, you know, that, that little bit of grass that you might want to keep. So around high traffic areas, areas where your children play, those types of areas, yeah, I think certainly water would be the, the standard agronomic recommendation. Yeah, well, and, uh, and I, I appreciate that. And before I let you go, I got a, a real big question. When I was studying, uh, of course, I studied horticulture state and then uh, education and all, my professor said things that do not change remain the same. And if you don't want to water your grass or not able to, you're not able to take good care of it, can you reasonably expect to have a good lawn? Or is this an opportunity, Doc? To switch over to, you've been working with this refuge lawn, a flower lawn. Is it, may this be a good year to switch over to putting a few deliberate low growing weeds like white clover out there and just going to a mow what grows, which is antithesis of what we studied at Mississippi State. We want to learn how to do it the best. Is there a way to help people feel okay about doing something that just mow what grows and feel good about it? Is it possible? Well, the- the the best is an outcome that is desirable by the person that's 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 you know right, growing right, this or right. culturing this lawn and and I think that there is a, a discerning uh, listener you know stakeholder group for me but listener base for you that really understands that it's not as simple as just a, a monoculture aesthetic it really is about ecosystem service and that may be pollinator habitat it may be low maintenance low input yeah, but yeah. certainly improving that lawn with a white clover this fall would be uh, the time to do it. Now, I, I don't steer people towards white clover very often. I, I've, uh, I've helped with writing articles about how to do that. I studied that as a, a Ph.D. project. We, we mostly Auburn. studied how to get rid of it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, mine was purposely including that white clover. Yeah. There are some other alternatives, and so I would encourage folks to look on uh, local or regional seed suppliers for some of these low-maintenance yeah. Uh, meadow lawn or forage lawn, refuge lawn type mixes. Yeah. I would say that we are including some things like lawn aster, which is a, 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 tr- a really a tr- common. It's in bloom right now. Drought is not bothering not at, at all. So mm-hmm. so this might be an opportunity. I know you're working with folks from Texas A&M and, and the North Carolina State, all these folks looking for ways to attract, you know, to have a lawn that's a little bit more eco-friendly but still is a lawn not a meadow but a lawn and uh, this might be an opportunity doc to, to get people to come off instead of you know you can have a lawn of the month sign or you could have a meadow of the, you know a, 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 another a refuge lawn type thing yeah. and make it where it's okay uh, uh, to not feel bad about having a few weeds out there I think you use the term mullet lawn with uh, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, listen, we get, we got to move on. I mean, we can talk for hours about this, but people okay. need to understand that Mississippi State has got people who are on this. If you've got questions about it, contact County Extension Office. But if you can't water right now, 
not really much sense in fertilizer or anything, is it? Not not a whole lot. I agree with you. Maybe we'll get some rainfall soon. Felder, I appreciate being on. Okay, Doc. Good to talk to you, and we're going to have you back, man. Appreciate you. Pre- Thanks, uh, Java. Sometimes you got to say thank you. Just thank say you. thank you, Jay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jay. Oh, by the way, Mark, you had a a, a, a joke. <laughs> There's so much to unpack from that call. Come on, come on. Number one, I think mullets are back. Actually, <laughs> you, um, you and Java don't have a blade of hair on top of your head. You talking about mullets? I know where to get one. I promise. <laughs> the other one was a, a joke that a customer. Uh, just blurted out yesterday. and oh, I, This is at Garden Works. At Garden Works. Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of passing by. This guy is hilarious. And he was asking about, I don't know, something, sod, something. He goes, yeah, well, my yard sounds like I'm walking on cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably stickers cracking, if, you know. Yeah, it's tough out there. You know, I don't have a blade. I study turf management. Java, I don't have a blade of grass in my yard. Somebody said, how can you be a lawn expert with no grass? I said, look, a brain surgeon doesn't have to have a tumor. You know, so I just, you know, if I had a lawn, it would be a throw rug, a little, put a sprinkler out there, turn it on, wherever that one sprinkler goes, that's where your lawn is. And the sprinkler doesn't reach it, that's where you start putting other stuff and it shines like a little gem. Shines like a gem. I have free centipede if anybody wants to come dig it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, folks, horticulture's fellow rushy. And before we go to Judy, uh, let me mention this. Java, you and, and Mark were talking about you're you know, you're you're drinking some energy stuff. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to trying to perk up, man. Perk up. Well, uh, you know, and, and uh Mark Mark lost a whole bunch of weight and he's saying you don't need to be doing that. Well, let me just mention this. I found out in my old age, you young guys, pay attention. You don't have to eat the whole dozen tamales. <laughs> well, oh, wait a minute. I thought it was like written no, but, down somewhere. <laughs> but if you don't eat at least half a dozen, you're not going to be happy and you get all wrinkled. So we need to stay juicy. <laughs> It's all about balance. There you go. Hey, let's let's go to Clint. Mark, take take this call. Oh, I certainly will. Good morning, Judy. Hello. Uh, first of all, the information about the turf grass was very helpful. Thank you for that. Um, my question, I bought a house a couple of years ago that has huge fig trees. I cut them back the first year so that they were a little more manageable, um, and they had a whole crop of beautiful green figs that never ripen. This year they froze, so I cut the frozen part back. They had another crop of beautiful figs that never ripened. Can you tell me what the problem is? Not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is kind of off schedule this year, and figs tend to do that on a normal year, sometimes yeah, a lot of people are real. A fig is not a fruit; it's a flower, right? And, and hot, dry wet. Mark your flowers. Yeah, sometimes they just hang out and they never ripen. Um, you could probably still eat them; they probably taste awful. But yeah, you other know. Than, other than a little water, because you know they're flowers. And a plant suffering the first thing it's going to suffer the flowers. And so, uh, other than a case of good soaking, make sure it's got a nice wide root and a lot of mulch. Um, are they planted near a home or? You know, concrete foundation, anything like that. Uh, you know, my my fig got got damaged this past winter. Well, I've always heard that. You know, I think Joe Ogletree told me that mm-hmm. figs like for the roots to be shaded. We had them at the nursery, and they would go up under foundations. Yeah, and yeah. they were always loaded. Yeah, but he kept his piled with mulch. Yeah, 
Well, and that's what, you know, I, I keep mine trained as a, tra- cut as a bush. Every time right. it puts out some growth, I cut it back a little bit to make it bushy so it has more figs, it's easier to take care of. But you're right, a lot of mulch, you know, they're Mediterranean plants. They don't like a lot of rain, but they need cool, cooler roots than we have here. So anyway, uh, there are some different varieties that do a whole lot better than others. But uh, let me let me, uh, let me me ask you something, Mark. You, you have, uh, you've been working with perennials for a long time, Okay. About, well, 25 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're growing a lot of them. And matter of fact, you sort of drove the market towards that. There were plants that people never heard of, and when they heard of them, they couldn't get them. So you were producing a lot, you know, when you were at Standing Pines. Um, now people come in, they're hungry for any kind of color. And, uh, you know, Martinson's the place where you work. It's not like a big box store. You choose plants that you want in your garden, not whether does it look good in a pot. Well, you know, yes and no. Yes and no. Well, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a 9 out of 10 guy, you know, drive around the neighborhood, and yeah. if 9 out of 10 yards don't have it, it probably doesn't do well there. <laughs> um, but we get pushed to do, you know, some things that maybe we don't completely agree with. You know. Well, a lot of, a lot of plants are throwaway plants. I mean, yeah. you know, you you, yeah. you got to have tulips, you got to have marigolds, and then I can last all the time. Color is important. You know, right. color is real real important. But when it comes to perennial plants, they whether they come back or not, have you learned anything in your yard from from this year? <laughs> I learn something every day. You know, I'm like SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did learn some stuff. Um, gosh, yeah, that I'd rather have Saint Augustine than centipede. Why? Because it. It's it's handling the weather way better. Yeah, yeah. You know? We've said, uh, you know, we I, I lost a magnolia tree, a little Jim magnolia, and I got a, 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 a question on the Mississippi Guardian Facebook. They said, have you noticed these little dwarf-type uh, magnolia? Everywhere I look, the little Jim, the little dwarf-type, they including right here in front of MPB, I mean, they're just, they're brown. So like, well, they'll come back out. Uh, no, mine's dead. Yeah. And mine's 15 years old. It's dead. But I bet if I went back where I used to live on the Pearl River out into the woods and there's the big grandiflora, yeah, the big I bet it's beautiful. And it, and it has roots that are probably 15, yeah. 30 yards and out I there. I bet you could climb it. <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you what I did with mine instead of cutting it down? I don't know. You're going to make a stump out of it, aren't you? Nope. Spray painted it glossy black. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I did. Java, I could have gone. You know, there's a country song about... Uh, uh, Charlene, you know, the guy painted his girlfriend's name. The whole town said it should have used red, but it looked good to Charlene and John Deere Green. She thinks my tractors. That's right. Well, anyway, I spray painted mine black, and it looked great. I could have gone with brown. I could have gone with red or orange or green or whatever. But that little glossy black spot in my, my yard, it just it just makes me smile. And somebody said, well, why do you do that? I said, why not? Why not? That's what I was just about to say. You took the words out of my mouth, Phil. Why not? Because I can. That's right. That's right. So anybody can cut a plant down or they can just sit there and look at it or bob it back and put limbs on it. Uh, I mean, uh, bottles on the branches. I spray painted my glossy. Got a a garden tour coming up in uh, two weeks. I'm going to be at the uh, the, uh, uh, Max in Meridian. On October the 7th, going to be there at the Max. And uh, on October the 8th, we have this thing called the Fondren Bottle Tree Garden Tour with people like Becky Potts and who have all these crazy gardens, and mine's going to be on tour. So my glossy black magnolia tree is going to be front and center. What, Mark? I'm jealous. Because I'll probably be working, or nobody's going to want to drive to Rankin County to see my bottle tree. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> have we got Mikey on the line? 
Good morning, Mikey. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Um, I, look, it's finally gotten cool enough at night that I can sleep. <laughs> uh, I've had a little trouble sleeping lately, too, but, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with temperature, I don't think. What can we do well, for I mean, you today? When it's, 100, when it's 105 degrees, you know, um, outside during the day and it only cools down to 90 at night, you, you kind of get that, right? <laughs> exactly. I do get it. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyway, especially, well, you're not old yet, I, I, I'm imagining. Uh, but, anyway, I wanted to <laughs> comment that... Uh, um, but we have a. I, I I remember even reading gardening magazines when I was much younger. Um, uh, that that blue is the hardest color to find for gardening for gardeners to put into their areas. And right now we are so blessed with a plant that is so easy. In fact, it's so easy that you have to really rein it in. I mean, you know, put it in the pot because it will take over. I'm <laughs> so like, well, I'm so curious what plant you're talking about because there is a little bit of truth to the blue thing, but you know, there's a lot of shades of blue out there. And it's blooming beautiful. It's just a cobalt blue, and this is called. Uh, some people call it a Chinese medicine plant. Um, uh, uh, Platycodon, I think. Oh, I'm yeah. Pronouncing yeah. it horribly. But, that's um, a beautiful uh, but, yeah, shade yeah. plant. Yeah. That's... It is. Well, it's, it's just a beautiful plant. It doesn't get too large. It only gets about, you know, what, three feet high, maybe? You and, must, um, if, if you live in Mobile, you must have it planted under a big live oak. No, I have it in full sun. Okay. Uh, and uh, I've seen it, people grow it under live oaks. And, uh, you know, again, you know, it's like the full sun one, I'm going to have to start digging some. And I've already dug some, but I'm going to have to start digging some and, you know, passing them along. Absolutely. Share them. And I want to also add that all parts of the plant are edible. Oh, that's that's great information. I did not know that. According to Baker's Creek, you know, and I'm sure you're familiar with them. Um, yeah. According to Baker's Creek, yeah. You can eat your so, balloon um, flowers. That's great news. You can, and the roots and the leaves. But be sure and tell your kids not to eat their balloons, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, tell my, I tell the kids that I work with, don't eat anything unless I'm there and give it to you. That's right. Well, thanks for calling, <laughs> okay. Mikey. You have thanks. A, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> She she said she said uh, balloon flower. I, I have a hard time growing it, but I'm not a good gardener. I'm a right. garden expert. You know, I dig dirt. I put stuff in it. If it can't make it, you know, I put something else in a hole. But have you got some favorite blue flowers? Oh, uh, you don't do that to me. I mean, you know, there's blue salvias. You yeah, know, they, the they, salvia, you, know, you, you were the you first know. person really to start growing those in Mississippi. Perennial blue salvias. My very all time favorite flower of all is a bearded iris. Yeah, but. I have two. Don't, don't put me on the spot like that. Well, I, I tell you a little a little trick about blue. A lot of people don't realize this because uh, the 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 late great Lois McKenzie, she was a garden writer for the Northside Sun for for years. You know, you know your 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 boss Alan Martin, who yeah. writes for the Northside Sun now. Absolutely, uh, real sure. chatty guy. By the way, knows his stuff. Garden, dig it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, she was fascinated with blue, <clears throat> and um, it's hard to find blue here. It is, it is. But you know, you can do a gazing ball that's blue. That's right, a blue milk of magnesia bottles. What about a four-foot 
blue Chinese. Okay. I have one. (laughs) I'm not making that up. Well, here's the deal about blue. One of the reasons why plants don't look as blue here, you know, people go to England, they say, or or Seattle. The colors are so vivid. The angle of the sun going through, this is one of those, okay, bring it on, Java, a question. And now. Here's Felder Rushing with answers <laughs> to unasked questions. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Why don't blue look as good? Because of the angle of the sun. Uh, when you go further north like Seattle, New England, England, Europe, the sun is such an angle that it filters out certain wavelengths of light and colors like blue and green really pop visually. Whereas here, the sun's higher up, the, the reds, the oranges, the yellows predominate, the warmer colors. So you can take a picture of a flower here and then take it to <laughs> Seattle or England, take that same picture, and it's going to look bluer from the angle of the sun. Just another reason, you get up early, you Take photographs before the sun comes up. You're right. It's sort of different. Everything is prettier in the morning. I just learned something. You knew that. I I didn't think about it. I never thought about that. The sun's at a different lower angle in the morning, late in the afternoon. You taught me years ago how to use a toilet paper tube to take photos, and you didn't know that. (laughs) Java, I just learned something. I didn't even ask it. No, I didn't know that about the toilet paper, too. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No, you look at a toilet. See, when you have a complicated garden, Mark's got a lot of stuff in his garden. I got a lot of stuff. People have too much stuff for the neighbors. It's too much to take in. If you look at through a camera lens, you see little vignettes everywhere. And if you look at your yard through a toilet paper roll, you see those little vignettes. And that's how people like us see our garden. The neighbors say, it's crazy. You got too much stuff out there. Well, so we focus on little vignettes. Yes, here and there. And if you're not able to do that easily, walk around your yard with a toilet paper tube and find something <laughs> that looks pretty. Because they're going to talk about you anyway. <laughs> That's Spe- right. Speaking of neighbors, I got some new neighbors, and they are so awesome. And I, the new bed I built is like on the property line, mm-hmm. and I hadn't really met them. And I started putting in all these heirloom plants, you know, the big tall cane. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I really ought to go introduce myself because they're going to think I'm trying to hide them. <laughs> <laughs> now that I got to know them, hey, they're great. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. Well, there's a, a lot of people are concerned about uh, this. The, you know, the the heat wave is still can, it's getting cooler. Tomorrow is the first day. Java said tomorrow. I always thought it was like the twenty second. You say tomorrow is the first day of of autumn. Yeah, the autumn equinox. Uh, Happens tomorrow. Happy yeah. fall, y'all. Happy <laughs> fall, Guess yeah. what we're doing tomorrow at Garden Works? Pumpkins yoga. Oh, God. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Folks, we've we've been whooping it up today. Mark, it's been a while since you've been here. Good to see you again, man. Thank you. And you got a great garden. I see I see pictures of your garden on your Facebook page and on your blog, on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah. The, I try to, I, yeah, every but now pe- and then. People are showing pictures of their gardens that look great. And I can tell you, those folks who've got gardens that look great are watering Little, Absol- little, yeah. little fertilizer, a little watering. If you're not able to water, that's okay. I'm here to tell you. I don't either, but we just understand it don't look that good. And I've got some plants that don't look great because I didn't do what they need because of my lack of 
wanting to do that stuff. So what I'm doing is I'm letting my plants thin themselves out. I'm learning about tough plants, one dead one at a time. <laughs> That's a good lesson. I, I learned that from Marshall Ramsey. I was on his program this past week. He said, you're, you're, you're learning about tough plants, one dead plant at a time. So anyway, uh, it's, it's really weird. Any, what, what, what are you doing? We just got a minute left. What are you doing this weekend in your garden when you get home besides watering? <laughs> Probably not a lot. You get you ready know? for fall? In my yard? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I don't blow it out. You know, moms are disposable and. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. say that, but no, well, you you've got containers, and it's easy yeah. to shift things in and out seasonally. Yeah. And I did. I wanted to give a shout out to a Facebook page. I'm sure you don't follow because you don't live there. It's Cross Gates Gardens. Yeah, I would. No. Yeah, I, I you know I I try to and I try to keep it general because I'm a whole statewide yeah. kind of guy. And when you start getting into the local stuff, the people on the coast says that doesn't grow for me. Right. Uh, Tupelo said, well, it grows fine for me, and vice versa. So you know, it's got uh, got to. Keep it between the ditches on that. But uh, I know the Louisiana people have got a really good site, but it's more subtropical than what most of us have in here in Mississippi. I need to start my own garden club in Rankin County. There you go. There you go. Mark, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Java Chapman and all the folks here at MPB. Java, has been kind of rocking. We didn't take a lot of calls. We did a lot of yakking. We, but we got to thank uh, Jay McCurdy for uh, joining us. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Doctor James McCurdy from Mississippi State. If you're not able to water, don't fertilize. If you can't do any of that stuff, just hunker down. Think about converting your lawn into at least part of it a meadow lawn. Get you some white clover or something. You don't have to be. It could be a throw rug of grass and the rest of it clover and stuff. So this is the chance to make things better in the long run. If you get a chance, take a kid to Farmer's Market. Show them how to do what we do best, folks. I'm going to be at the Hitchin' Lot Farmer's Market tomorrow morning in my pickup truck. And, folks, it's getting dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.